higher world beyond this material dimension that we currently exist in? Do you believe in such beings as spirits and angels, and that it's possible to communicate with such beings when you need help and guidance in your life? Do you believe in the power of mind and of the human spirit, and that this universe in which we live is far more magical and fantastic than we have been told? If so, you're not alone, and in this podcast, we will endeavor to talk about some of these subjects and focus on the growth of our greater selves. This is the Infinite Journey. Blessings one and all, and welcome to the Infinite Journey podcast. I'm your host, Paul James Caden, and in today's episode, we are going to talk about separating wheat from chaff. And we're going to center this conversation around the words of Jesus as recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. And when we get into this, we are going to look at the inner meaning of these verses. And when I say inner meaning, uh, I might give a little explanation here that in metaphysics, it is said that every character in the Bible is you, and you are every character in the Bible. And that the things you read in the passages of Scripture or the pages of Scripture all represent states of mind, states of thought, states of consciousness that all of us as human beings will encounter and go through in our lives and in our spiritual journey. Now, some people, when they hear this, they will shrink back. They will say, oh, you know, metaphysics, this is new age, this is satanic, this is blasphemy, this is uh, occult, this is heresy. Uh, But in actuality, ladies and gentlemen, this is an error of modern-day thinking. Because the ancients believed that the wisdom of Scripture was layers deep. There was the literal meaning, the historic meaning or value of certain verses, and also the inner or the spiritual meaning that pointed to the inner landscape of the mind and the soul within each and every one of us. And there have been many great minds, including Sir Isaac Newton, who said that the levels of wisdom in the Bible were so deep that we could study these things for years and years and barely scratch the surface. So this is not a new idea, this is not a new age idea, but rather an idea and a belief that has been lost to us over the centuries, and largely due to the literalist ideology that has permeated many religions these days, including Christianity. You know, many people have this notion today that if they believe the right thing, if they give mental assent to the right beliefs, if they say the magic prayer, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, I, you know, I'm inviting Jesus to come into my heart, that it's all good. There's nothing to do beyond that except have faith. God takes care of the rest. You'll hear many people say, God makes the change in you as you 
come to know and accept his truths. You'll hear many people say, well, Jesus paid it all. I just have to have faith in what he did for me. Uh, But ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is not what the ancient Christians believed. They took very seriously the words of the Apostle Paul when he said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There are many verses in the Bible that talk about having corresponding works with our faith, with examining ourselves, examining our conscience, and doing the inner work necessary to work out our salvation and live in accordance with our faith. And the ancients knew this, and they did this. They had moments and practices of meditation and contemplation and study and prayer. They were very serious about this journey and about this self-examination. They were always looking within to see if there was any mindset or ways of thinking or doing or treating others that they needed to expel from themselves. But see, there are so few people that do that today. They just think magically God's going to do that for them. But that is not what the ancients believed at all. Uh, I can't actually think of an ancient religious tradition that believed God would just magically do it all for them if they just gave the mental assent. And I think we have to think about the words of Jesus when he said, by their fruits, you will know them. And then we need to look at the fruits of the modern day literalist magic bullet uh, kind of theology that's out there. Because the world is really in a mess. We're in the middle of a pandemic. There is political upheaval. There is great division among people. And those who claim to be religious, those who claim to be people of faith, those who tout God and country or God, Bible, and America or whatever the case may be, they're not out there being the peacemakers or the healers. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus said, be in the world, but not of it, that we're not supposed to get involved in all this nonsense that the world puts importance on. But yet we have people who are supposed to be people of faith out there, not being peacemakers or healers, but joining in the chaos, fighting literally hurting and harming others, talking so viciously and saying terrible things about other people, what they believe, the way they look, the color of their skin, all kinds of, you know, horrible things coming out of the mouths of people who say they believe in God. You'll hear them say the name of God one minute and then something hateful and terrible the next. We see people of faith upholding politicians who say and do such ungodly things, immoral things, but yet they make believe those things never happened. Or they make excuses for the bad behavior and verbally and physically attack someone if they point out the fact that these politicians, that they're 
upholding as almost modern-day prophets, popes, and Christs, that they will become angry and attack very viciously someone who says, hey, wait a minute, aren't aren't you contradicting your faith here? Look what this person said. Look what this person did. They can't hear it. They don't want to hear it. Their literal ears and their spiritual ears, their discernment is completely shut down because they were told it is their religious duty and Jesus or God approves if they vote a certain way or support a certain person or politician. And so it's become a real mess where many of these people are adding to the chaos rather than trying to stop it. And if this is the kind of God and this is the kind of country and this is the kind of world that these folks are promoting, uh, then I would say we're all probably going to be in a pretty big mess if they were to have their way and their mindset and ideology permeate the country, let alone the world. Because gone are the days are the of gone are the days of the uh, peaceful, contemplative, mystic, and monk and hermit and person of faith who is really trying to be an influence for God and Christ in this world, and that has been replaced with a very literalist, hateful, warring attacking religion that has lost the light. So without further ado, let's get into these verses. And uh, as I read them, uh, we'll stop and kind of disseminate here and unpack the inner meaning. So Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 9, and it reads, And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones God is able to raise up children to Abraham. Verse 10. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So we can look at this and see the literal and historic value of these verses because this is Jesus speaking to the religious leaders of his day, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And he's saying, do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that from these stones God is able to raise up children to Abraham. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So, the religious leaders of Jesus' day were a very, might I say, people that were very embedded in their own egos. Many of them, and I'm sure there were some, you know, good men back in those days as well. But many of them enjoyed the power and the prestige. 
They thought they were God's chosen people. They were all set. They were good with God because they had the right religious tradition. They followed the religious tradition of the patriarchs, the law of Moses. They had Abraham as their father. They were good to go. They kept all the traditions. They washed their hands before eating. They washed their pots and their bowls and kept the Sabbath. All these things that they did. But yet we read in other passages of Scripture where Jesus said these men were hypocrites because they make null and void the laws of God by giving such adherence to the traditions of men. And when they got a convert, they loaded the converts up with so much religious burden that Jesus said they made it impossible for anyone to enter the kingdom of heaven. And that these people like to dress in long flowing robes and decorate the way they look down the, on the outside, but in the inside they were tombs filled with dead men's bones, meaning there was no spiritual light in there. It was just spiritual and mental rot and decay. But yet these people were saying, we have Abraham as our father. But Jesus said, no, if you don't bear good fruit, that tree will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And if you want to make a little bit of a study of it, look into scripture what the fruits of the Spirit are. Love, joy, peace, temperance, kindness, you know, all of these very wonderful things that a lot of the uh, religious leaders of Jesus' day did not reflect, uh, and neither do so, so many in the modern day. So let's look at the inner meaning of these, of these verses. Because these are thoughts, these are states of mind, these are states of consciousness. And we all have those little thoughts in our heads that say, hey, you believe the right thing. You went to the altar and heeded the altar call. You made Jesus Lord of your life. You said whatever prayer you needed to say to be good with God. You gave your mental assent to whatever church or mosque or temple that you go to. Uh, the religious leader said, do you believe this? And you said yes. You mentally accepted these particular doctrines as divine truth. And those thoughts say to us, you have the right religious tradition. You did all of the right things. You did all of the right little rituals. So you're okay with God. You can tout God and country, and it doesn't really matter if you're like the woman in the news just a few days ago that I read about who went into a Staples and there was an older woman in there. I guess she was dressed head to toe, almost like she had a, a beekeeper's uh, uniform on. And there was a woman who had her mask pulled down below her nose. And the older woman said, I just had uh, a kidney transplant. Could you please uh, pull your mask over your nose? I don't want to risk getting sick. So the woman who had the mask under her nose grabbed this woman. I guess she was... Uh, you know, uh, an elderly woman 
threw her to the ground, breaking her leg in the process, and left the store. And it said in the story that this lady laid on the floor with a broken leg in the middle of a staples, and it took quite some time before anybody even walked over to her and offered to help. Now, we're seeing a lot of people that, again, tout God and country and the Bible and country and getting America back to God. We see a lot of people that are, that are saying these sort of things acting in this manner. And this is not right. But yet we have that little Sadducee and Pharisee in our thoughts and in our consciousness that says, you know what? You showed that libtard you're not fooling around. You're not going to have them take away your freedom and your religion. You did the right thing. You did it for America and for God and for truth. You're okay. You have that right tradition. You said that magic prayer. You're doing what your religious leaders told you to do. Fight the political fight. Oppose those and hate those. And try to expel those from your presence who have a different political view than you do. You did everything you're supposed to do. You're okay. And that might be hard for some people to hear. And some people might say, oh, no. That's not me. I didn't do that, or maybe I did do that, but it's okay because that person deserved it. They were in that Staples uh, pushing that liberal propaganda that we all need to wear a mask, whatever the case may be. Maybe you didn't throw somebody on the floor, but did you call somebody a libtard, a trumptard? Did you sit there and physically cut down? the physical appearance of another human being. I've seen several interviews in the last week of people who are supposed to be Bible-believing Christians as they label themselves saying things like getting America back to God. Donald Trump was appointed to be President of the United States by God. He's going to save the country, get us back to uh, the founding fathers' ideas, and you know, drain the swamp, you know, yada yada. But then they'll turn around and say, "Oh, but these Democrats and these libtards, oh, they want to tax me, so I have to pay welfare for somebody that doesn't care about their health." These big fat slobs with blubber on their body, or the smokers, they don't care about their health. And if they make themselves sick, why should I have to pay for it? Why should I have to pay for anybody's health? What are you eating? What are you putting into your body? What do you, you know, what this, what that? I don't know about anybody else, but I have a hard time listening to that type of thing. And I find it to be extremely ungodly has nothing to do with faith, nothing to do with the light, nothing to do with love, nothing to do with the teachings of Christ. But these are the things that come out of our mouths. Because the little Sadducee and Pharisee sits in our heads and says, you know what? 
You can pass judgment on people because they're wrong. They're less than you because of what they believe, what their political affiliation is, what the color of their skin is, what they look like, even what they eat or what they weigh. You know, in my illustrious lifetime, I've been skinny, I've been fat, and everything in between. But no matter whether I had a nice, thin, sculpted body or a not-so-sculpted body, my mindset has always been, it is the lowest thing we can ever do to attack and belittle another person based on what they look like. That is the most ugly, hurtful, rotten, terrible, demoralizing thing we can do to anybody. And I've, throughout my life, even when I was a teenager, if I heard friends doing something like that, I'd say, hey man, if that's the way you want to talk about people, uh, do it when I'm not around. Because I'm not, I'm not down for this kind of thing. It's just wrong. But we give ourselves license to say it because of those little Pharisees in our heads. It's okay for you to say that. You said the prayer. You did this. You did that. You, you're on the right. You believe the right thing. You're on the right side, so throw people down in the middle of a store, break their leg, call other people subhuman because of the color of their skin. They're this, they're that, they're ugly, they're smokers, they're fat slobs, they're, they're moochers, they're libtards. Say whatever you want. Because all those people are of the devil. They're deceived. And you have the right to hate them. But what did Jesus say? The axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good, good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And literally, this means all that stuff you think is important all that stuff you think that gives you license to be rotten to other people, all your little traditions that think make you the chosen person or people of God, it's all going to burn away. It's going to be as nothing when you stand in the presence of true divine love and truth. And we can either turn toward the light of that divine love and truth now in our own consciousness and let those things burn away out of our consciousness, get rid of them. Or it will happen at a later date, maybe when you step over into eternity. And that's where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Because then we realize what a wretched road we chose to walk 
in the name of God, and we knew nothing, nothing about the being that we talk so wonderfully about. But it was only lip service in our minds, in our hearts, in our souls. We knew nothing. The verses go on to say, as for me, this is John the Baptist talking, as for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. Uh, it's interesting to look at that verse because water, metaphysically and traditionally in the scripture, uh, really talks about our emotions. It talks about the spirit, the spirit coming upon us like water, washing away the old from our minds so that we see clearly and that we repent, that we're able to turn toward God and say, I was wrong. I had it all wrong. What did I do? What was I thinking? So John says, I baptize, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And that is the coming of divine truth, the divine light. And we're either going to embrace that divine light, we're either going to repent with the water, washing away all the debris within us, realizing it's garbage, it had to go. The way I spoke, the way I acted, the way I treated others, the way I thought I was saved. And it gave me a license to act like a complete animal out there in the world. Man, I was wrong. Let me get rid of all that so now I can turn to the light and the fire of truth that is coming through the Spirit of God to dwell within me. And then it says, His, win his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, th there's quite a lot to, to unpack there, but we're, we're going to try to do this um, as quickly as possible so we don't uh, run into forever with this podcast. But we back up to verse 11. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This is divine light. This is the divine truth dawning in our consciousness through the Spirit of God. And we either embrace that truth and use that truth as the winnowing fork to thoroughly clear the threshing floor and gather wheat into the barn. And the wheat represents thoughts of truth, divine truth, love, peace, a higher ideal of God, stored in the consciousness, stored in the soul, the barn. The barn is the consciousness, our subconscious, our souls, our hearts. We're taking these higher truths that are being revealed to us that we're beginning to see through the leading of the Spirit, and we're storing it in the barns 
within ourselves. But the chaff, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So one of two things will happen here. You will either embrace the divine light, use it as a broom and let it be a broom that will sweep out the debris from your consciousness, from your mind, your heart, and your soul. And you will begin to store up wheat, real truth, divine truth, higher truth, things that will be revealed to you by the spirit of truth, things you will see in the scripture that you never saw before, those layers of wisdom being revealed to you by the spirit of truth. And you will store all that truth within yourself, in your mind, your heart, your soul. And you will store up good things, good treasures within yourself. Treasures that are born of the kingdom of heaven and the spirit of God. Or you will resist that divine light. You will resist the divine truth that the spirit is trying to bring to you. And when you resist, you either embrace one or two little truths and then think you're a master above everybody else. Arrogance kicks in and then we see what happens. It's still the old, I'm saved. You're not. God revealed this great truth to me. You don't have that truth. You're lost. You're stupid. So we become arrogant about maybe the few little pebbles of truth that we def decided to take from the hand of the Spirit of God. Or we ignore it altogether. We shrink back. I can't change. I don't want to change. I like who I am. So we convince ourselves that these new truths are not truth at all. Maybe it's the devil trying to deceive me. Because this goes against all of the tradition and doctrine that I've been taught for years, all of my life. This must be the devil trying to deceive me. And I've seen people go through that. I've seen people get revelations of divine love in their lives, that they've been treating others wrong, they've been speaking to others wrong, certain thing they, things they've been believing or doing wrong, they were into the ego and arrogance, very sharp tongue, very sharp words, and suddenly get this revelation of divine love. And say, oh my God, I repent, I, I was wrong, what did I do, what did I say? And then somehow they'll turn around and say, I just had the thought, I think those thoughts, I think that revelation that came to me about divine love was actually Satan coming as a messenger, or as an angel of light, and tried to deceive me. I need to be the hard-nosed person that I've always been, because I am a sword, I am a needle, I am the uh, cattle prodding rod for God. 
and people might not like to hear what I say, and it might make people mad or upset. But that's what I need to make them, to make them think about what they're doing and what they believe. I'm God's taser. I just walk around shocking people brutally all day. And some learn from it. Most get angry and they, 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 uh, they cast off what I've told them, but that's to their own hurt. So we can deny the divine truth through something like that. And there's those little thoughts in our head again. Hey, you don't want to believe that. Hasn't your tradition always taught you? Hasn't your church and your pastor always told you? Haven't you always, haven't you always been this way on this, you know, being the cattle prod of God in the world? Being the needle that sticks people in the backside and getting the knee-jerk spiritual reaction? Hasn't that always been your mission? And folks, metaphysically, when that happens, that is the Pharisee mind, thought, or consciousness rejecting, persecuting, and wanting to crucify and kill the Christ thoughts, state of mind, and consciousness that is coming to us with the new truth, the higher truth the real truth. The Pharisee, the Sadducee, the state of mind that is steeped in religious tradition will always reject the real thoughts of the inner Christ or the spirit of Christ. They will ridicule it. They will persecute it. They will look for any opportunity to crucify it because they don't want to change their tradition. They are the thoughts that want you to just hang on to what you've always believed, and everything else is bad. Everything else is satanic. Everything else is occult. Everything else is new age. Destroy it, destroy it, destroy it. You're okay the way you are because you believe the right thing. You said the magic prayer, etc., 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 And so I hope you're getting a bit of an idea of how every story we read in the Bible is a drama that unfolds within our own minds and our own consciousness every day. And how many of us persecute, arrest, and crucify the Christ within ourselves all of the time. Yet he keeps coming to us in his mercy trying to show us the light, trying to show us that tradition, salvation, true salvation, doesn't lie in our dead traditions. It lies in a living, active faith. But how many times do we shut that down within ourselves? because we always hear the voices of our friends or the TV preacher or the pastor in our church or whoever it might be, the radio preacher. That's new age. That's a cult. Oh, boy, you're going to be deceived. 
Don't dare move off this little mark of doctrine that I'm telling you because anything else is from the devil. And people believe this. And they shun and shoot down and turn away from the true living Christ within them all the time. And so they don't want to hold on. They don't want to store the wheat in the barn. They want to hold on to the chaff. And as that chaff is slowly burned away by divine truth, they still hold on to it. I will not let this go. And so that fire that the chaff is being burned in can also represent the fires of anger, of lust, of rage, of sin, of hatred. And we can cling to the burning chaff and become even more angry and lewd and mean and violent and just absolutely hateful toward other people. It is metaphorically, as James said, we are set on fire with the fires of hell because we cling to that burning chaff and we know it's burning and we resent that. We don't want to let go. We've decided to listen to the little inner Pharisee and Sadducee and hold on to all of the spiritual nonsense and garbage and untruths that are not serving us, that are not helping us in our lives. They're not making us better people. They're not changing the world. They're preventing us from being healers and peacemakers in a time of crisis when those things are needed. But as the light shines on all of this worthless stuff that we carry around within us, we become angry because we've believed in it all of our lives and it's easier to hang on to the traditions, to hang on to the garbage than to make the actual change. And this is why you see people who will say such sometimes ridiculous and terrible things or interpret biblical passages in such bizarre ways, and you'll say, hey, wait a minute. And if you try to have a discussion with them about what they're saying and what they believe, what do they do? They turn very angry. And suddenly, you're lost, you're a fool, you're this, you're that. The name-calling ensues. And so we have to recognize what happens there is that we're shining the light of divine truth on the chaff that they're clinging to, and that chaff is starting to burn. But rather than release it and realize, you know, look at it for what it is, they hold on to it. And the fire that is burning that chaff begins to burn them. And it literally inflames their anger, their hatred, their self-defense mechanism. 
And that's certainly what we're seeing a lot of in the world right now. People being absolutely inflamed, again, touting God and country, but somehow, some way, uh, wearing a face covering in the middle of a pandemic when I go into the supermarket for 10, 15, 20 minutes to do some shopping, uh, somehow that's infringing upon uh, my rights and inevitably my religious freedoms. That's a, a pretty bizarre line to connect if you really think about it and really look into the mindset of where that comes from. But this is not the place to get into all of that. But these are the people when you say, gee, could you put your mask over your nose? I just had uh, a kidney transplant. Boom. That fire is ignited hard. And somebody gets thrown to the ground. Somebody gets a broken bone. Somebody gets physically attacked. And it gets ugly real quick. Because that's what the chaff does. The chaff is just waste. The chaff is just garbage. It's not truth. It doesn't help us. It doesn't change us. It doesn't do anything good for us. It fills, it fills our inner barns literally with useless garbage. And then we become a bit of a mental and spiritual hoarder. Where we just take in more garbage, more untruth, more things that are not so. Like the very religious person I saw on social media put up a meme of Barack Obama saying in 2007, Barack Obama awarded Jeffrey Epstein the Medal of Freedom. Hundreds, thousands of people commented Oh, what a monster. All these people lay in the same bed, yada, yada. All, you know, the negative, you know, I hope they burn in hell. I hope God judges all these, you know, monsters. The problem was it wasn't true. Barack Obama was not even president in 2007. George W. Bush was. And... Barack Obama never awarded Jeffrey Epstein a medal of anything. So we see people who are supposed to be truthers or part of a truth community, exposing the darkness and the lies, calling everything fake news, yet every day we see things like this that are fake news coming from people that are supposed to be upholding truth. And other people who have their barns filled with spiritual garbage, useless nothingness. The chaff is good for nothing. Take in more useless nothingness. Because, folks, if your barns are filled, if your mind, your consciousness, your heart, and your soul, is filled with things that are untrue and spiritually useless. You're shunning the divine light. You're shunning divine truth. You're crucifying the Christ within yourself 
over and over again because you reject the message that he's coming to you with. And all you fill your inner barns with is useless chaff. Then the only thing you will store in those barns in the future is more worthless uh, chaff that is not true. It serves no purpose. It doesn't help anything or anyone, and it doesn't help you. It doesn't help you to grow as a person, as a child of God, as a spiritual being. It keeps you stuck and stymied. It's like having a car, and instead of putting gasoline in the tank, you put water. It's not going to run. But we put all this stuff in our consciousness. And then we collect more stuff, more chaff. And soon we're just one big storehouse of spiritual nothing. Not divine light, not divine truth, but traditions and ideas and nonsense and lies and phobias and manias of men. And this is the outcome. By their fruits, you shall know them. So realize that all of this are th- is things that take place within you. You have to be the one to use the broom of divine truth to clear your own threshing floor. God's not going to do it for you. Jesus is not going to do it for you. You have to take some initiative. Now, God will join you in cleaning house once you take the initiative and start doing it. But he's not going to do it for you. It doesn't run on autopilot that way. Because when you take the initiative to start sweeping out all of that chaff, to start burning it and letting it burn, letting it go, then God will reveal to you more divine light, more divine truth. And that will aid you and empower you in cleaning out your own inner storehouses. So I hope you got something out of this podcast today. Again, we went uh, a little bit long. And there's so much more that could be said on this subject, it's hard to encapsulate it all into just a 30 or 40 minute podcast, but I hope there was enough here that uh, it made us think. And I hope that those of you who listen to this show will reflect and do some self-examination on what you believe, on what you think, on what's going on inside yourself, what you're storing in your inner barns, your own inner spiritual storehouse. So as usual, I thank you for listening. I appreciate your time. And until next time, stay safe out there. Stay well. Treat one another with love, kindness, and compassion. And I'll see you next time here on The Journey.